What's up? What's up? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hey, how's it going? Hey, we're back. Knowledge is Power Podcast Live uh, with your host, Tony Renfro, and my crew member, Terry Roy, and Tricia Kim Primo. Did I say that right? Yeah. Kern Primo. Kern Primo. You got all those last names. (laughs) By the way, tonight we've got a great guest tonight, and uh, I like to bring her on here. And let's, this is the topic of the show. Let's get to the topic of the show Silence the Stigma around mental health with Coach MT and uh, how to talk to children about mental health issues. And that's going to be our guest tonight. So I will bring us back with our guest tonight, Coach MT, as soon as I we break for 30 seconds. Intro. Welcome to Knowledge is Power Podcast Live with your host, Tony Redfield. And my co-hosts, LaDonna Sherwood and Francis Lawkins. Knowledge is Power Podcast Live starts now. Hello, Coach MT. Hello. Can you hear us? Yes. Hey, yeah, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this because I'm going to get them something to laugh about. I'm going to pronounce your real name, okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, Mignon Thomas. Mignon Thomas. Mignon Thomas. Close, Mignon. Mignon. <laughs> We're going to stick with the MT. <laughs> Terry, what I was going to call her. What, what, what is her name? Uh, you're, 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 you're mute. Let's see here. Wait a minute. Hold on. Okay. Now, now. The B filet mignon. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I am so glad to have you here because, you know, we we had a talk show on Sunday about uh, Palmer Independent School District, and we talked about uh, the, the some of the issues that's going on there with the chief of police for the Palmer Independent School District. And this subject came up, uh, mental health. Uh, and uh, so we, and it was just ironic that you were next up on our calendar uh, and schedule to be on our show two days later. So it, it's going to help us all out talking about mental health issues. Uh, we all suffer. Some of us will. I, I will say excuse me, I'm sorry. Majority of us suffer with mental illness and don't even know we have mental Ill- illness. So tonight our topic is silencing the stigma around mental health with Coach M-T. Okay, Coach, it's you. Okay, yes. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So um, I uh, make it my point to go out and be a mental health advocate. And yes, right now, the area of concern is mainly uh, primarily on our children. As you know, yes, we've done a great job at silencing the stigma around mental health, but that silencing that stigma comes with some action. And so I talk about things that we can actually do to help silence this stigma because awareness is one thing, okay? Everybody knows it's an issue by now, but the stigma is still heavy. It is still there. Um, one of the things I shared was that, you know, somebody or one, somebody even close to you 
It could be a friend, family member, coworker, but if they suggest that you're mildly depressed, we're going to be offended by that. So that's the whole stigma, that negative connotation around mental health. So then when we think about our children, like they are um, unfortunately put right dab in the middle of COVID. And then now they're hearing whispers of uh, possible wars going on. And uh, we're seeing some behaviors um, that some of the behaviors that they are doing are directly affect related to mental issues. And a lot of these issues are normal. They just need to be guided through it. And um, that's part of the mental health piece that I try to zone in on mental wellness, mental health. And if we can prevent them from developing some of these things like generalized anxiety disorder or depression, you know, we, we really could prevent that. Like I share openly and candidly that I struggle with major depression and generalized anxiety disorder every single day. But to my understanding from what my doctor told me is that if we, I would have got treatment early on and I can remember my first anxiety attack being around 13 years old. And if I would have got treatment early on and learned how to do it, cope with this anxiety and get the treatment that it would not have developed into the major depression I deal with today. That's what fuels me to do this. I'm glad to hear that because, um, I, I too suffer with mental illness and uh, you would never know because uh, of the therapy I get and every day mm-hmm. I take care of myself and, and with medication, you know, and um, I'm not ashamed to talk about it. Um, I, if anybody, you know, I can recognize another person that has it and don't know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, you know, if I was, if they was open enough to talk to me about it, uh, I would, tell us some things, tell them some things that I know they are doing because it all is a pattern of what we do and how, what we do when we're going through this. If we don't know, um, if you don't know, then you won't know. Um, and it's a lot of us, uh, especially in the African-American uh, uh, families, we think that if it's, 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 it's a shame to be like that, or it's embarrassing to be like that. Right. Not, I mean, uh, I'm not embarrassed at all. You know, I suffered for 10 years and didn't, and fighting it and didn't know what it was. And mm-hmm. then, you know, just fighting it, just fighting it. And uh, and when I realized what it, you know, I I, I see tempt and um, my days are normal. My day's been normal ever since. Uh, I didn't have those highs and lows every day. You know, I didn't know what day, how, how it was going to be from, from day to day. Or, no, not, not even day to day. <laughs> like from <laughs> one minute to another, you know, and how to accept it. And because if I had known this a lot earlier, like you said, I would have gotten better. I've been helped better, uh, but I didn't know. Okay. And with the workload I had uh, as an automobile dealer uh, in my early years, the anxiety, the, the pressure, the, uh, the wanting to be the best and want to survive. And it just want you know, my goals was high and I just wanted to be that person that, that wanted to achieve so much. And it put a lot of pressure on myself and caused that mental health, mental illness to escalate mm-hmm. because another, not enough oxygen was getting to my brain. What we call that. Um, but so, um, and it, it, I was so Tired of going, having hot days and cold days. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I was going to be the next day. You know, I didn't know how to accept 
uh, answers or I was furious about things and I was snapped. But I didn't realize that I'd have, I did, wasn't sleeping. I would sleep uh, maybe an hour and a half, wake up just like I'd been sleeping for eight hours, but I never slept. So I understand, and I, I'm just want to say this because I heard you say it, uh, that this is some of the reason why we try to help others because my prayer to God, when the Lord healed me or found a way to heal me, that I will try to do, uh, and how can I say this? I want to I want to be a blessing to someone else so I can be able mm-hmm. to help someone else that, that, that have this type of mental illness. And right now, we talked about it on the Sunday show. Um, and on the Sunday show, we talked about uh, children having mental illness, uh, health illness, and, and, and why they're reacting the way they're acting in school uh, is because we've gone through some trauma in these last two years. Uh, I, you know, and it all started, yeah, it, we all, it all started this week. Let me let everybody see who, who's doing all the talking here, <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay, we, 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 you know, this, these last two years have been, it's been, it's been a drama. Uh, uh, it's been trauma, it's been... As an adult, uh, it's been extremely difficult to deal with. I couldn't imagine being a child. Yes. Right. You know, right, right. And, and um, uh, we, 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 our lifestyle changed. Uh, we was at first we was in the house we, we couldn't go nowhere for a month and we were seeing each other every day and everybody's then, faces are covered and, and right, you can't you tell know, what they're thinking or you know you get a lot of facial expressions and, and we weren't able to do that for a very long time right mm-hmm. uh, so our lifestyle changed and after our lifestyle changed uh the things changed you know when we was able to go outside go back outside so you know uh, you know, people among each other, on top of each other, don't know how they're going to pay their bills and how they're going to eat and um, how, if they're going to have a job when they get back or how are we going to make it, how are our finances, and how it's so much balled up what we've gone through in the last two years. I mean, a, a parent is going through it, you know, they're having mental issues. And so you imagine a child is going through it too because hey they don't know how to react to nothing because yeah you know and that's kind of what i was uh asking the chief because he uh he said it was more like a one percent of kids that had issues like as far as mental mm-hmm. in school and and i find that hard to believe so do i you know I, I don't know if that's what you think but behavioral health is, is influenced by mental health i would think yeah, but do you think it's a difference between the, like the mental health and maybe uh, chemical imbalances it could in be the brain imbalance. and things well, like that? Yeah. Chemical imbalances are chemical imbalances. Yeah, chemical imbalances are the right. Yeah, they mm-hmm. are. Because I was chemical yeah. imbalanced. I was exactly. imbalanced. I was imbalanced. You couldn't line me up for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of, you know, when right. kids lash out and they misbehave, it's it usually comes off as angry, and anger is fear manifested. And, so, and, and let's, let's, let's not leave the parents out because the parents are not doing what they're supposed to do as well at home. The, how are uh, the parents, and I, I agree with you, but the parents who aren't getting help for themselves, how are they going to help the children? That's true, too. I well, mean, if they don't know what, what they're doing. What, what a coach, tell us about it. I'm going to hold them to a high standard. I'm sorry. But yes, I can, absolutely. I can, you know, I can sympathize with them with that, but I'm going to throw myself out there. Like, my house is not peachy king. 
But I know that I got to take care of me. And if that means that mama got to leave and mama got to remove herself from this room, from this house, from, you know, you get out of here right now. If you don't take so, care um, of yourself, how are you going to take right. care of other people? <laughs> yes. Those yep. people depend on me. Right. Absolutely. You have to be in tune as much as I know. I'm not one that really wants to be. I love my children, but I don't want to be with them 24 seven. Right. Um, and they're not, they're not bad kids, but that's just, and I never have been like that. So I know that, you know, like we've seen some of the um, reports of child abuse increase and things like that, and that everybody's not that person. Everybody has their boiling point, but as adults, we are responsible for recognizing, okay, I need a time out and still be able to be in tune with what's going on with your child. Mm-hmm. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. That's why I said the parents need to take care of their business. And yeah. and uh, I, I'm not an expert in that, but that's why I have you here. So tell <laughs> us, <laughs> tell us, uh, 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 where are we with this movement? So we're, I feel like we're at the very beginning. Okay. <laughs> um, in this area, I have been worked with some um, parents that have seen, and majority of them, they have brought their children to me or reached out to me to talk to them because they were struggling with some depression, anxiety related to grief. I've even had some parents reach out to me that um, children had a diagnosis of autism and because, um, you know, may not know, but basically when they get to the adolescent age going toward teen, they really don't know what to do with them because they're acting out as well. And so with both of those children and those parents um, in particular, I've seen a great increase in the last child I worked with. It really was grief related. Um, and what I'm noticing is that, like always, I um, tell people now that we need to be teaching emotional intelligence in the schools. Yes. So we went from um, the little boy that came and talked to me that was experiencing grief from losing a, a parent. We all know that it's hard. And so a, a child trying to deal with this and then it, the, the parent died related to COVID. And oh, it was under the yeah. circumstances where I couldn't tell my daddy bye, you know, all of that. Y'all, that is just gone. Mm -hmm. So uh, we went from this child when they first came to me, he was, um, you know, really closed and guarded. But by the time he left, he had opened up, warmed up. And the, the mom called me like halfway through the treatment and she was like, I just, she was bawling. She was like, I just, I can't believe it. She was like, he's actually outside playing with other children. He had withdrew from playing with other children. And she was like, I mean, like interactively playing, like she's letting them, he's letting them use his toys. So the main thing that I did with him is provided because he was super, super smart. And that's what you're going to see too. These kids are too smart for their own good. And they got all this stuff trapped in their head. But I provided him with the words and ways to express what he was feeling. Like, you know, and let him know. It was really, really, really important for me to let him know that it was okay to feel that way. And not to be concerned with, with what mom has going on as well. And she was there because um, I talked to them separately. And then I bring them together as well. But just from us talking and him doing some of my other um, therapies, that really did. We've seen a great increase in this um, in this child. Teachers reported by the time we were done, he was um, actually not getting in trouble in school anymore because he was having an issue at school. 
but we couldn't get to the bottom of it because he was just acting out. But after um, he got to trust me a little bit, and I provided him some techniques to uh, express that anger, express that sadness, and let him know it was okay, then we got to the bottom of what was really going on in school and why we was acting out. And then I could help with both between, because I use the parents a lot. Because um, my goal is to teach you what you need so that um, you can use these tools going forward. And you come back if you need to, but um, equipping you with things that you can use at home. But between me and mom, we were able to get him to tell us, you know, what was really upsetting him and going on. And it was something easy. And he didn't know how to fix it. And because the teachers, you know, they have a lot of kids in the room and they stress themselves. God bless them. I can't imagine. They, she wasn't picking up on some of the things that were going on in the classroom. So just providing him with the tools to express it and get that out. Um, that was amazing. And I really just kicked it up a notch when I started seeing that. And it touched my heart also when um, the young man that had a diagnosis of autism, when he came <laughs> because his mom had to go pick him up from school just about every day <laughs> because he was going to the nurse and he was pretending to be sick. And, you know, back in the beginning of COVID, all you had to do was look like you wanted to sneeze and they're going to call your parents, tell them to come get you. So that's what he was doing. But really what it was is that he was a little bit older and um, having some difficulty expressing um, how he was feeling about the way they were treating him. Because, you know, his body's going through changes. Um, in middle school, they're not te treating you like a uh, child anymore. And he didn't, under he didn't know how to express it, and it was different. But when I seen him progress, and she reported back as well, I was like, wow, okay. And... The last thing that I did was speak at a school. And we all remember being in school when they brought speakers in. And I know I was going to be like, oh, goodness, can they hurry up sleeping, <laughs> you know? But the fact that the children were engaged, this was middle schoolers. And so they were ears up, eyes perked. They were responding back because I, I talk in a way to where I, um, I'll ask questions, but I'm not really ask, expecting them to answer me. But if they do, that's great. They answered every question. So I told the administrators before I left, I said, these are the topics that you need to be talking about with these children because the fact that they are engaged tells me that they are experienced this and they are paying attention and they need help. But do you find that, I think that a lot of times, and I saw this when my kids were coming through school, um, a lot of times mental health is, is confused with uh, autism or ADHD. Children are being diagnosed and it's just not true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with that as well, because like you said, if something is not right, like they are being, if they're anxious, if um, you know anything's going on, yep. something as simple as anxiety, the, a lot of times the only, way, only thing they know how to do is to act out and it's going to come out in anger. Yep. They're going to be out their seat doing all them other kind of things. I've Most had generalized. Have right. I've, I've had it my, for a very long time. And it wasn't until not that long ago that I realized how to act. And I'm an adult. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it just, it takes, you got to have the right tools and you have to, you know, know what to do. It's kind of like any other mm -hmm. illness that you have, like diabetes. You, you have to have the tools to take care of it in order to that's, take care of it. 
that's funny that you said that because that's one of the things that I recommend. Like when we're talking to them, we need to use analogies. And our children are very smart. So mm-hmm. when you're talking to them about mental health, talk to them in reference back to like a um, a disease they understand, like diabetes. Most of them understand that because unfortunately they probably have a parent, a cousin, a grandmother, or somebody that have sugar and have to um, take that insulin shot or you have to help her stick her finger or something like that. Yeah. Um, and blood pressure as well. So just related to that, to like, you know, um, I even have to use that with adults because we, we don't we don't understand that yep. <laughs> especially if we have to take medicines and that anxiety <laughs> will tear you up too like it it's it's taxing on the body to have a panic mm-hmm. attack you and then you fear the next one and before it even happens you're in fear of it so when you're mm-hmm. a kid imagine that all all in one it's just it's a bit much right how long um how long does do your sessions normally last and, and what's covered the most when you when you have your sessions so the sessions are, are most at least an hour. Um, and what I do is, is I just I listen for the most part and asking those questions that um, that most people don't know to ask to provide them, especially kids, the opportunity to talk about that issue because they're not going to bring it up. Um, and then I'll share. That's kind of the, the, the system that I use is I'm getting that trust factor. And once I have that trust factor in like the first session, it may seem like nothing is actually going on, but I'm getting to know them. I'm um, trying to form a bond and reassure them and try to see where they are. Maybe they need more help than what I can provide. And so I have a team of people that I can refer them over to. And um, but the first session is usually just bonding, getting to know them, reassuring them, letting them know. Uh, what they're going through is okay, and that we're going to fix it. We're going to work together and come up with a plan. Later on, um, then I'll provide them with some coping skills and then um, teach them how to use them and then get feedback. Sometimes I give homework as well um, because I want to know, like, what you were feeling in that moment. Usually kids can remember, but um, adults, we don't remember, so we have to write it down. But um, <laughs> but that's usually how I operate. And I not just play it by ear um, as far as when I'm like, okay, I'll keep them for at least six weeks because I feel like that's a good, it gives me a good idea of where they're at. And in that time, if I don't see any progress whatsoever, okay, I won't be upfront with you because at the end of the day, um, I want to see you get help. It's, it's, you know, it's not about just, it's not about money. The money will come, but I want to see you get help. So I'll pass you off and be like, okay, I don't think that this is what they're needing. It usually won't take me that long to pick up on that. It won't at all. But I'll pass them on to the next person or make a recommendation for them to go see some of the people on my list for medication and stuff like that. Once you, uh, like, it's, it's a, seem like it's a stigma in the black community for kids and even parents to get help. And once once they do come, and what what are the most reasons you find out why they didn't come in the first place? A lot of them will say, um, uh, "What will they?" Some of them, some of them will say, "I didn't know what to do," um, or they'll say, "I thought I thought I could handle it on my own." You know, or, you know, especially with grief, because most of the people that reach out to me are struggling with grief, depression, and anxiety, because those are like the three areas that I really specialize in. 
um, professionally and personally, <laughs> so I speak about it a lot. But usually that's what they come from. And they'll be like, well, I thought it was going to get better, but they're at that point to where it's bothering them or hurting them. I call it the pain point. They're hurting enough to where they realize something's got to give. I know that when I was in the depths of struggling with my mental illness, um, I felt like people would think that I was crazy or that I was a weak mind. And if, if it had been my child, I would have felt like, you know, I, I somehow failed as a parent and that would have stopped me from getting help. And are there, are there resources available for parents who don't know what to do? Like they want to do something, but they just don't know. And are there early warning signs before the child is in kind, all kinds of trouble and, you know, mm -hmm. we get that far. Are, are there things that parents can look for that will help? Yes, if you notice that um, your child has been one that's really sociable, they'll come out and talk with the family and stuff, and all of a sudden they're just staying in the room, a lot of times we'll dismiss that and be like, oh, they're just being a teenager, they're just being a kid. No, go in there and see what's going on. Or when they are down, will they not talk to you? Are they wearing their hair kind of like in their face? Um, the mask, my child in particular mm -hmm. did that. The mask provides them, um, like some of those that are struggling with depression, the mask provides them an actual mask that they can hide behind, uh -huh. um, pick up on, you know, are they oversleeping? Um, are they not interested in things that they normally would be interested in? Like, do friends not call or come over anymore? Um, if you mention something, like if you say, okay, you want to go see such and such, being that we now that we can actually go out and do things, they're like, no, nah, I'm good. You'll just notice like a, a withdrawal, something that you're, it really boils down to you knowing your child and knowing their habits mm -hmm. and your little ears. It may not pick up the first time they do it, but the second or third time you're going to be like, wait a minute, what's going on? So pay attention to little things like that. And then um, talking with the teachers seeing how they're acting in, in the, um, the classroom. I did it and mm -hmm. found out that um, when one of my children was struggling, um, thank God for the teachers that he had, um, she would tell me that, you know, he would wear the mask on his face, had his hair in his face, and um, and sit down, slump down in the chair, you know, and stuff. And then when somebody would speak to him, like he would barely speak back. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but come to find out, he was struggling. Do y'all uh do y'all offer uh parents tools to go by once they they finish y'all session in yes. order to to keep the keep it going? Absolutely, and I follow up with everybody. Um, you know, I, when I when I feel like we're done, the door is still open, and um, I tell them, you know, like I'm not gonna send you an invoice if you want to contact me <laughs> and be like, hey, I need help. Do you think you know I'm really honest about that? Um, and when the parents come, I'll give you tools from the beginning. And when we first talk, like anybody that's watching this, if you go to the National Suicide Hotline's website, they have all kind of tools and jewels on there to teach you how to talk to someone about um, suicide, depression, anxiety. And just one thing I really like to silence is that um, talking about suicide does not put that thought in someone's head. That if that thought is in their head, it they're gonna do a it a long time ago. Yep. yep. You the people that you the people that that's gonna do something to themselves, they don't really talk to people about it. They just mm -hmm. do it. Right. The people that mm -hmm. talk about it really need help and are yeah, seeking they, help. 
they want the help exactly exactly so i know like um i frown upon people when they pick on folks you know when they get on facebook and they be like uh man you need to get a diary well i'm glad that they said something so we can get them some help i've helped more people in my personal life um getting the crisis team out there to them through facebook or something like that than i have in professional and we were able to get them because of something they posted and uh, we were able. I was able to contact the crisis team, talk to them, and then get be that bridge because I said we have a gap in healthcare, and um, that's what really my mission is is to close that gap because I've seen firsthand as um, even being in the mental health field how it's easy for someone to fall through those cracks. It's hard to get folks help when it gets to that. I'm talking and my mic is closed. My, I, wanted to, <laughs> I just thought it was me. I was like, what's going on? No, that's, no, that's me, yeah. Um, Killer Lazar um, and asked what type of experience the, the panelists, well, I guess he's the one who said the, the guest has. Yeah. So can you, can you uh, because this is very important, you know, when we're talking about mental health and what you're experiencing, what you have to do to, to help others. Some folks wants to know what your experience, what's, what's your background? Okay, well, I have been a mental health nurse for 11 years. I've worked in the community with the state, and recently I just resigned from the Veteran Affairs. So I um, actually launched my own coaching practice where I mm-hmm. kind of coach and counsel, and then I teamed up with nurse practitioners, counselors, and doctors um, as I uh, made friends with them. And so I have people behind me with this movement. But so I took my triaging from the clinic to the street. So that's yes. what I do. Oh, great, great. Now, why is this? I mean, we know the movement that you're heading. And so my next question is uh, is going to be, why is this all important? It's important because we need to save lives and we can save the lives. Yes, we I can. Mean, um, like the, the beauty queens and stuff like that that we have just recently seen. The last one they did, they did rule hers as a suicide as well. I'm seeing so many people that are committing suicide that we really could have reached we really Mm could have got to the bottom of it and if you have been been in that field personally or professionally you know some we're going to lose some people we just we're going to do that but i'm seeing more people do it that we actually can reach Uh you know i am i'm glad i'm glad we're having this conversation this dialogue i love it uh, because, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a great dialogue uh, because people are just uh, you know that's 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 going through what we've gone through and mental health and depression and uh, suppression and everything else they're going through and anxiety is that that is helped there's help out there and 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 we can we can seek that help if we just you know just put an effort to just help you know just to guide them in the right directions. So how easy is the access of, of to to for this information? So it's as simple as a text message. If you or someone you know is experiencing thoughts of harming yourself or someone else, you can text HOME to 741-741 and there are counselors and volunteers that are there to correspond back with you. And just because you text or reach out to them, the people, the goons are not going to come in and kick in your door but right. they really want you to text so that we can, you know, um, talk these people down, get them in so if they go, need to go to the hospital, go to the hospital. 
if they just need to get um, set up with a counselor, get them with a counselor, you know, but getting the help to you. And um, I really referenced the home one because that's the easiest one to remember. Home, home 741. Seven. Yeah, I'm sorry, 741. go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Home to 741. 741. Did I get that right? Oh, are you That's putting it. it in here too? No, you're doing it. Let's see. Let's see. You say home, H O M E, mm -hmm. 741, 741. Are you putting it in the comments or on the page? <laughs> I'm putting it on the page. I'm putting it on the comments. All right. There we go. I'm going to put it on the page. Let's see. That's it. That's it. All right. Now, this number is to for whom? That is actually to the suicide hotline. Suicide hotline. And I know it sounds scary to say the National Suicide Hotline, but um, they also have people that answer those text messages, like if you're heading down that road. So don't wait until, you know, you're at your wit's end and you're ready to go through with it. If you're having uh, the thoughts, you can text them. You can text them at that number, home, mm -hmm. seven seven four one seven four one. Okay, got that. You can text that number, home, seven four one seven four one. That is awesome. I am so glad to have you here. Um, just explain to us about um, some of the things that uh, we like. And this, this is life. And um, um, you don't have to be born with it. You don't have to inherit it. It'll, it'll happen. Um, and um, as simple as therapy, um, um, medication, and you're on the road to, to 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 move on with your life, and that's what I've ex I've experienced. You know, I, I I once I take one a day, and I, I mean I I'll tell you what do I do? I take Lexapro. <laughs> <laughs> I take I take one Lexapro a day. Yeah. Get up in the morning with it. Boom. That's first. That's 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 first day I do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm living better. I'm sleeping better. I'm resting better. I feel better. Mm -hmm. I'm not on a. I'm not. A, I, I'm not having a hot day or hot cold day or I'm not an up I'm not down I'm not flexorating I'm moving my I'm moving just like that you know just smooth mm -hmm. across the board and and um and I've been I've been like this now for the last 10 years so um just imagine you know and we, let me tell you this and I'm not I'm not a shy to say about it, talk about it but it was time when I knew that I was in in one of those real deep depressed time and I didn't know how, if I, how I was going to react or anything. I stayed in. I would stay yes. in close in the room and don't even come out for days. Yep. Mm -hmm. Until yep. I was able to come out of it and I'm okay. For some but, people that solitude becomes addictive almost because you feel yeah. better when you're alone and you're not blowing up on people so you just stay that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would blow up on you in a heartbeat. I mean, me it, 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 I mean, I would jump. Oh, you better not say nothing crazy to me. I'll bust you. I just jump. <laughs> right, right. Was sharp. I was just. Don't uh, even look at me like that. <laughs> and then after, right. after I do it, and after I think about it, I said, now why did I do that? That was very hurtful. You yeah. know. And then it comes, you know, the guilt and the grief. Right. Like, oh. yeah. Then you, then we act like nothing happened. We've done any, anything to anybody, you know. Okay, that would like life's supposed to go on after we get right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh, you know it's true. Yeah, huh? I know that firsthand. So I'm only like, what? I'm only probably, my dad died about three. Yeah, I'm only about three years in. 
yes. to, to I've been was stuck in that state for the majority of my life and the most beautiful thing was after I got on the medication and got into therapy was the one day I think you know it takes about y'all be patient if you have um if you get diagnosed with depression it takes a while for the medication to start working right so after I've been they found the right medication and I was on it for about what three months I came to work one day and I was just like, I felt like I was missing something. Like I left something, like mm-hmm. I lost it. And then I looked and I realized, I was like, this is the first time that I can remember. And I don't know how long that I was not anxious. And now I think about some of the comments that people would um, say to me in um, at work, they would be like, they would come to me with all these extreme things going on. I just like, okay, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And they was like, did you work in the ER? I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> you know, and I realized now because I was stuck in an anxious spot. Right, so there was right. nowhere for me to go. I was right. Me too. Right. And it was you crazy because if I'm the calm one, there's a problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So then yeah. I was the calm one and I was like, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> and you know what was so funny? It's not funny today now, but I think about before then, before I recover and all that good stuff and they found out what was wrong with me and I got my life in order uh, I was still in business I was still grinding day to day and day and night and just and I didn't sleep because I was up grinding in my mind mm-hmm. even when I was yep. supposed to be asleep I'm grinding in my mind I'm thinking about things that I need to do for today tomorrow the next day next week I just couldn't shut down Yep, that's I struggle with that now. That's I have me. a hard time shutting down. Yes, I have a hard time shutting down. Folks say, "Well, what do you do now?" I well, <laughs> I I I have a, a hard time shutting down from a day because of my activity, my work activity, and my businesses. And when I get in, I, how I unwind is that I read and write. Yes. So yeah. I write. A, I have a. a crazy humor uh, a sense of humor so i write a lot of memes and a lot of stories and jokes and but that's what i unwind at night and it's helped me something to do i'm not as stressful i'm i'm laughing to myself about things that comes to my mind and my head that i write and i read and so that's you know for, for to say you go on my yeah. if you go on my you go on my profile page you'll say well this guy here is crazy <laughs> i do it too it's just, i got the family tree thing going on but the thing about the family tree is that when you start investigating you're not shutting down. Right, <laughs> I'm relaxed, right. but I'm not shutting down. Right. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard for us to do that. And you know, I I, I look at my 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 uh, my 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 parents, um, and on my dad on his side of the family, they had this issue, but they were the older generation that okay. didn't believe in getting help. Yep. Okay. And um, they, I, I saw them in, in action. You know, I saw them every day and how they would react to things and how they would get along with each other, how they would talk. And then the next time they, they act like they just love each other. And just, it was just so unbalanced because they all suffer with this illness. Mm-hmm. and But they didn't know, you know, they had this illness because they didn't believe in going sit down on the sofa or talk to a psychiatrist or a therapist or anybody that can help them. Because yep. they were afraid somebody would say, "Oh, they that that whole family's crazy." Yeah, but yep. I, and I laugh and play about it and talk about it because 
everyone, you know, they say, well, everybody in your family have are, di are diabetics, or di has diabetes, or had diabetes, except you. I said, you know, that's right. I'm the only one that didn't have diabetes, but I count that other stuff from them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's funny that you say that you mentioned that. It's because I see the same thing with my family on both sides. Sorry, y'all. But I see um, a heavy um, presence of alcohol. And like right. that was the tool that they chose to use. And like you said, that they don't want people to be like, you know, that family's crazy. Well, they saying it anyway because y'all drunk. How do you get to the point to where you don't remember where you at? You yeah. <laughs> what that, are you running away yeah. from? Right. What, are you, what are you trying to? And a lot of times, that's what it is. Yeah, so you're trying to numb it. You're trying to numb all the pain. You don't want to deal with it. You right. don't have the ability to cope. You don't have the skills to cope with what's going on. So right. you go to other things to do it for you. And the majority of people choose drugs and alcohol. I, mm -hmm. I, I dealt with the mental health, and I still do, but I found that I didn't even break ground and on, on becoming better until I found the tools needed to know what to do. Right. And once you right. get the tools that you need, then everything is going to work out. But you got to know and commit that you are yes. and you do have this problem. Yes. That's the key. That's like an alcoholic. He's not going to say he's an alcoholic. You know, he's not going to go to AAA mm -hmm. until he thinks, well, sh I I'm one. You know, you just can't say you need to go to AAA and if they're not ready, it's not yep. helping. It's not going to help them. Yep. So, well, I got that out of the way. Okay. And <laughs> and I tell you what, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, how the work of uh, uh, tell me about the uh, MT thero therapy fits yeah. in the picture. So MT Therapeutics is my way of giving back to my community, and I do have some virtual options as well. And so that's where I provide. I stumbled upon this great thing called CES Therapy that works for anxiety, pain, uh, insomnia, and depression. And actually what it is is an old army technique. It is a device that you use that is non-invasive. Um, so I allow people to come in and try it. Um, it worked wonders in addition to my medication that's what i use to control my anxiety so um i do i provide that and coaching and whatever else that i come across mt therapeutics will continue to put out things that are going to be able to give fat to the community um, as my target audience are people like me and you like, you know, they have care out there, but there isn't enough. And there isn't enough of the newer things that actually work. Um, Coach, uh, Knowledge is Power podcast has a members only page on Facebook. And it's mm -hmm. for local, um, it's for local for us in this community here that you can post those things on there for us and for you so we can connect to the people that needs it in our community. If you don't mind, just go to that page, Knowledge of Power Podcast on Facebook, and it says okay. members members only. That's the page that we, we post all our local events, uh, local, uh, everything that's going on that we need to know, information that we need to know in the, in this community. That's where you go and post those, um, those uh, articles of what information that we need uh, about mental health and just anything that we need 
okay. help with. That's that page to go to and post that there to you for us all. Okay. And okay. we also have a, a, a Knowledge is Power podcast Facebook page uh, called Black Culture Page of 365. This is more, more related to education of uh, history, Black African American history. And we have that going on. And we're going to have another page coming pretty soon. Bunch of other things that we got going on, but we thank you again. We thank you so much, uh, uh, Coach MT, uh, for being our guest. And, and I hope it touched someone, it helps someone, it can connect with you. Uh, that is that a, a number or a way of uh, connecting with you? And I have one more question before you tell okay. us all that information is that how, one more time, how can we talk? to our children about mental health, especially those sure, in the schools. Sure. Yes. So what, um, how can we talk to our children is we can just be as matter of factly as you can, um, bringing out, asking them, are you experiencing any anxiety, then defining the term and relating it to something that they really can relate to, like the heaviness in the chest. Do you feel nervous? Do you feel like something bad is about to happen? And reassuring them and letting them know that it's okay to have those feelings and encouraging them to reach out. Um, a great tool to use is um, regular disorders that some of us have, like blood pressure and diabetes. Relate the terms back to that, because um, most of our children are educated on that and they can understand that. I use that with adults as well. But reassuring them that mental health is just as important as physical health. And while if you figure out or stumble upon that they're having some trouble with some of these things, start this early because we started it late. Um, encourage them to practice self-care. And self-care can be as simple as exercise, um, taking time to meditate, and journaling. Encourage them to journal. Thank you. Coach MT, I'm not gonna try to say your name, okay? <laughs> okay. Chop that name all up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, thank you, you can so reach much. me at uh yes. What did you say? Four zero nine two three five fourteen hundred or mttherapeutics.com. All right, we I enjoyed your talk, and we're gonna right, keep it you. on, and we're gonna share it, and I want those who's watching or listening to share this 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 podcast. This is a great great listening to is something that we need uh, to know about and be aware of. Definitely. Thank you again. We, we love Thank it. And we'll be back on Sunday at Knowledge's Power. We'll be back on Sunday at 7 o'clock with another guest. Thank you so much, babe. Thank you. Thank you for watching Knowledge's Power Podcast Live. Be sure to like and subscribe to all Knowledge is Power social media pages.